Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 57 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by Tabby's.com, the best Delta edible on the market. It's official, Casey. Hayden and Maddie are parents. You are an uncle yet again. I mean, it's your sister, brother-in-law. I, can you give us a little bit of an update on what's going on over there? Yeah, man. Um, every update that I've had uh, or that I've received has been great. So everything looks to be going well so far, which is absolutely awesome. Maddie and Hayden have uh, both been sending me a bunch of Snapchats of the little girl, and I got to FaceTime her. I think it was the day... The day that she was born, I got the FaceTimer. So that was really cool. And I, I can't wait to meet her tomorrow night. Lauren and I are going to go back home this weekend to go see some family and then and then to meet the little girl. So really excited about that. You should be. It, it's awesome. Every time I get the little pictures, it's crazy when you see like actually how small a newborn is. Because at least for me, like you always have that like six months to a year face in your mind. But it's like, literally, you can just cup her in your hands, and it's just crazy. It's, I don't know, it's a a little bizarre for someone like me. But Casey, otherwise, other things in your life, I know it's going to be hard to really match up to that this week, but has there been anything else going on in your world, whether it be weightlifting for the team or just school in general? You know, this this week at at schools kind of felt really long, but that's just because, you know, we're following a nine-day break with a full week of school, so... Grinding through that's been been all right, I guess. Um, but yeah, weightlifting for football yesterday, last night, our guys had one of the better nights that I've had since I've been at Linden. So that was really cool to see. And I felt like they deserved to be rewarded with that. And so I tweeted out that picture last night. But yeah, so I guess everything's been going pretty good for me, man. Um, you know, Michigan got a big time win on Tuesday night against their rival. That was nice to see. So um, we'll see if they can do it again. These these last two games for Michigan, we're going to get into it, but are, are really, really big. So, yeah, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, first of all, that's awesome to hear about your, your team over there working as hard as they are. Hopefully results come back next year for another good season. But I guess on my end, you, you know, we say it a lot on this show, and it's because, you know, we're diehard sports fans, but – this is really one of the sneakiest best times of year for me, at least in terms of sports where, I mean, first of all, just outside of sports, the sun's starting to stay up longer. We're starting to see a little bit of the springtime weather, which is exciting. But then on top of that, you have March Madness starting, which means all the conference tournaments first. I'm a big hockey guy, hockey playoffs are, you're starting to get an idea who's there. And then as I sit here right now, one of my favorite things on earth I travel around with the draft, as you know, Casey. I don't know if the people at home do too much, but the scouting combine is on again. And this is one of my favorite things to just sit back. I feel like a loser sitting back watching a bunch of 20-something young your guys that are buff-yoked, measuring hands, and I'm getting excited when they're like, oh, wow, look at that, like plus nine hands for the quarterback. But like, I don't know. It's just, this is an awesome time of year. It just, I feel like this is... Uh, one of those moments where when you, you really know you love sports this time of year, you know? Yeah, I think you said it best when you said it was a sneaky good time of the year because, you know, a lot of people think that March Madness is, you know, just for the basketball tournament or whatever, but you're right. The scouting combine, you know, usually baseball spring training would be going on. Hockey, I, you know, I'm not too big of a hockey fan. Definitely not near as big of a hockey fan as you are, but the CBJ have been doing pretty well recently. So that's fun to check in on but yeah you're right man sneaky good time of the year 
to comment on your weather reference there, I guess for a second, my mood when I drive to work in the morning and it's light out is so much <laughs> better when I drive into than when I'm driving to work and it's dark out. I've, I've noticed that this week more than more than ever. So very happy about that too. Yeah, I always believe growing up that whole seasonal depression thing, it might be overblown, but this time of year, there's like, there's like a, a new hope you almost have. And it gives you this, or at least for me, like I'm going to do all these things differently. I'm going to do all this. You get really excited, not only just for the weather, it fires up everything else. So this is great. But before we get into what we're going to talk about mostly here today, which is going to be the lead up to the Big Ten Tournament, how about you let us know a little bit about the recruiting corner? I haven't seen anything this week, so I don't know. I imagine it was probably pretty slow again. Very slow. Uh, we only had one commit this past week for our Big Ten football programs, and that was Iowa landing three-star interior offensive lineman Leighton Jones out of Indiana. And since there were no basketball commits, commits of significance either, um, you know, that's going to wrap up Casey's recruiting corner for this week. <laughs> Short and sweet. Yeah, it, it was. And I this is actually I, I had one topic I written down written down. That's good. I wrote down for after we were finished with basketball this week. And I figured I'll just throw it in here now, since we really don't have much other football to talk about. But sticking with Iowa, they actually brought on one of the guys that you and I were really high on growing up and we talked about a lot over the summer, and that being Abdul Hodge, one of the best, if not the best, linebacker in Iowa history. He's going to actually be coming on as a tight ends coach. He's been coaching what linebackers at, I think, South Dakota State. It might just be South Dakota, but it's one of those two for the last three years. Getting a legacy back in, I mean, plus I know Kirk's uh, younger son, I believe, uh, Brian. He's going to be offensive coordinator, coaching quarterbacks too. This is a really exciting period for Iowa football, especially coming off the year they did where they really overcame a ton of adversity. Wow, I did, I did not see that on the rundown. I'm not sure when you put that on there, and I did I didn't even know that happened. That's awesome. Um, you know, you're right. Abdul Hodge is one of those dudes that we were talking about in the summer, just randomly when we were talking about Big Ten football. So that's really cool to see that he gets to go back to his alma mater. Tight ends coach, kind of weird, but you know that's a that's a school and a system where they consistently produce really good tight ends. So. I'm sure they know what they're doing by hiring him and, you know, good for him and good for Iowa. That's awesome. I thought kind of the same thing at first too, where you bring in a linebacker to coach tight ends. It made me a little nervous, but you said it there. I mean, this is Iowa we're talking about. It's their tight ends. It's one of the most well-established position groups for any school in the country. There's no way they would just take a flyer on this guy. They have to know that he's going to do, I mean, you know what it's like. Just because you played quarterback, you coach offense, quarterback coach, all that, it doesn't mean you don't know football on both sides of the ball. Maybe this guy wanted to be a tight end. Maybe his skill set just worked better for linebackers. There's so many things, and I'm sure after the press conferences and all that, we'll hear. But, yeah, I mean, of course, we're excited. Abdul Hodge is back. It's our guy. Yeah, do you know if Sam Laporta is coming back to Iowa, too? Because if he, I think he, he is. is. I'm, pretty, I'm almost positive because he was the guy I put in tail into the first round about a month ago when we did that next year thing. Yeah, okay, I got you. Man, what what a great weapon to uh kind of walk into to have for Abdul Hadsu. That's that's a nice uh versatile weapon that you know gonna have at his disposal there. 
Yeah, and not to discredit him already, but when you have Sam Laporta as a tight end when you're coming in, that's got to make that job a whole hell of a lot easier than have you step into, I don't know, Indiana's room right now. So good for him. Hopefully we get to hear his name a lot more. Hopefully he keeps moving up. But I'm going to read real quick through the games that happened last week. Sure, we're going to have a whole hell of a lot to talk about, regrettably for me, but... I'll just get going here. After I spit fire, we'll touch on a few games, get uh, other thoughts for you here. Thursday, last week, we recorded. We talked about how big that game was at the moment. Ohio State gets a big win on the road at Illinois. And, you know, it felt like that was the start of something really special for the Buckeyes, and it wasn't. Anyways, Indiana also beat Maryland by 10 Friday. Iowa continued to score a billion points a game against a pretty hot Nebraska team. We'll get into them, unfortunately, again later. And then Penn State beat Northwestern, reinforcing I'm an idiot. It's going to be a really hard episode for me because it just, just, it felt like it was just piling up on me, Casey. But then Saturday, a huge Saturday for Wisconsin, too. Earlier in the day, they got help when Tyson Walker hit a dagger three to shock Purdue, which opened the door for them if they won out to win the Big Ten by themselves. And they had a huge Saturday again. They won their game against Rutgers on the road, which nobody is doing this year. So they certainly earned their stripes in this last week. And then here's where it starts hurting me. Sunday, Ohio State really started to Ohio State over the last few years. They lose by 15 to Maryland. Can't get worse. I'm sure it won't get worse this week. We'll get to that. Illinois beat Michigan 93 to 85. And then Indiana almost had a disaster, but they held on to beat Minnesota by five. And a loss there, especially what comes on, what happened last night, it could have been devastating. Nebraska then beat Penn State by 23 on the road, which is the moment we should have known something was coming, Casey. And then Monday, Iowa blows out Northwestern. Again, that feels great. Tuesday, March started with one of the biggest days of the entire year for the conference. Michigan beats the Spartans by 17 And if it didn't cement them in the tournament, it did everything but. We'll get into that here at the end of this as well. Ohio State then loses Nebraska. I'm not talking about that now. Wisconsin beats Purdue to win at least a share of the title. And then on Wednesday, really fun way to wrap this week up is Ron Harper Jr. rips out Indiana Hoosiers fans' hearts, hits a three with two seconds left, and puts them in a really difficult spot here going down the stretch. And then Maryland beats Minnesota in a game I imagine nobody saw. So, takeaways here, Casey. Let's start with the Wisconsin Badgers. Let's start with the conference champion. I mean, many, including I think us here, weren't sure if this was a tournament team to start the year. Now they're a win away from winning the Big Ten outright. They've already got a share of it, but they could do it. I mean, holy shit. Good for Johnny Davis and good good for Greg Garden. Good for this program. What are your thoughts on this Wisconsin team kind of looking back now at the end of the regular season or about to be? You know what I mean? First off, Wally, that that was a fantastic job going through all that. That was funny. Um, you've been looking forward to this show for a few days now. You, I can't wait until Thursday's show. I can't wait until Thursday's show. It's Disgusted, man. I'm, yeah. I'm in a bad place. <laughs> the weather wasn't good enough for that, Casey. I promise. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really looking forward to your takes here. Um yeah, Wisconsin, you know, to me all year just seemed like a team that was overachieving and, you know, soon they were going to go on a skid just because it, it just didn't seem like they had it. But 
Um, the more I've watched them in the in the past few weeks, may, I think they might have it. You know, Johnny Davis is really versatile on offense and can really beat you anywhere on the floor. So he's he, he might win Big Ten Player of the Year, especially after the win over Purdue. He he's a lot better than what I thought he was going to be. And then, you know, I know we touched on it a little bit ago or a couple episodes ago, but I think Brad Davison is is a really good number two, and then. That big guy, what's his last name? Wool. Wool, yeah, W H or W A H L or something like that. Yeah, something like that. That that guy has been playing a lot better recently too. So you know, if you can go into the tournament with a big three and one of them being a sharpshooter, one of them being an elite scorer, and then a another big guy, um, you you have a shot. So I'm not gonna say I pick Wisconsin even out of all the Big Ten teams, to make the deepest run in the tournament, but I could see a Sweet 16, you know, second weekend you know, tournament run for this Wisconsin team. I mean, the way they win close games, who knows if the path lines up, it's kind of that taking a game at a time approach. It's hard to really pick them in a final four, but you know, the way things fall out, a lot of things that we don't expect to happen happens in March. And I want to get your thoughts on this because Hayden actually sent a tweet. I want to say earlier in the week and it stuck with me. And I, I just, I feel like there's two ways to think about it, but anyways, Jared Beeson tweeted out that Wisconsin now has 12 wins by five or fewer points, two more than any other Division I team. They're 12-1 in games decided by five or fewer, including 12 wins in a row. Their only close loss to Providence, who we have been talking about all year as being one of the luckiest teams in all of college basketball. What do you think of when you hear that, I guess, initial reaction? My initial reaction is... That it doesn't really surprise me because every time, especially early on in the season, I felt like, oh my gosh, Wisconsin squeaked out a win or got lucky doing, you know, beating a team that they shouldn't have. But, you know, I I think it takes a lot of, you know, obviously a solid culture and a lot of what, what, what am I to trust in each other to, to win close games like that as often as they have. So I, I don't really think that Wisconsin is so much lucky. They just kind of have that it factor. And, and that's kind of why I think that they have a shot to, to make a tournament run because when you have that it factor, that's what you need in March and early April. When we always hear the cliche, it's better to be lucky than good. Good teams are lucky, too. You don't win a national championship. You don't even win conference championships without a little bit of luck, whether it be injury or whatever. But the thing that I guess, and this wasn't fair because I had time to really digest it and think about it to say, too, but you know how Wisconsin, if you're not in the Big Ten, they kind of get lost in the shuffle, and not only basketball, but football, too. Last year, that... I don't want to call it a scandal, but the the problem with the locker room and Greg Gard and the, the players being all but ready to walk out on him, to see the transformation in 12 months, to me, it's not only a testament to the players, it's a testament to Greg Gard. Because they came out of that, I guess, meeting, the team meeting last year, in a really bad spot. And Greg Gard went in and basically said, hey, they reamed me, they told me that I wasn't listening to the players, I wasn't there for them like I said I was, and he said, I'm going to wear this on my sleeve. I'm going to make it a personal challenge to be a better coach, be a better leader to this team. And I know that we aren't aren't getting the like inside glimpses that if you're in the program, you would be. But doesn't it feel like, I mean, something obviously clicked, whether that be for the players or the coaching staff, 
this is a team that they're playing for each other right now, and that's so special. Who knows how far they can go? I'm going to give all the credit to the players because I do not like Greg Gard. He no, no not, nothing to do with last week, and I'm no, sure. No, absolutely. You know, even be, yeah, before that, I didn't like him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really didn't have an opinion of him. Outside of that, you know, I really thought he was doing the right thing by addressing the issues that, you know, took place last year. But, you know, it all resurfaced again a couple weeks ago against Michigan, how what his personality is really like. So I'm going to give all the credit to the players, not the coaching staff. This is why it's going to be so fun when we finally get video so people can see the face you were making while you said that because your voice didn't hold the – the, the the anger sarcasm that was in your face right there. But I, I'm with you, though. You have to give a ton of credit to the players because ultimately they are the ones doing it. Johnny Davis took huge steps this year. Without those steps, they wouldn't be here. And I think it's pretty simple as that, wouldn't you say? Yep, I completely agree. Johnny Davis, probably top three player of the year candidate in the Big Ten. Huge steps this year. Plus, I mean, there's just something to be said with Team success. We've been through that forever too with these kind of awards. So who knows where he'll end up. But here, I've got a couple other things we want to talk about before we look at the next week here. Let's focus on the bubble. So every Tuesday morning, Joe Lenardi comes out with his bracketology update. And this week, there were three Big Ten teams right there, really hard on the bubble. Michigan was one of the last four buys. And they beat Michigan State, I think, 87 to uh, 70 if I'm remembering correctly. And then you had the last two teams in, Indiana and Rutgers. And they played each other. And it was a really tight game, as we mentioned. Indiana, another time they're going to look back and really be upset for blowing a second-half lead in the last several weeks. I want to ask you now, because of those two games, Indiana has Purdue left. And I can't remember who Rutgers has off the top of my head. I have it right in front of me. They have Penn State. You have to imagine they'll win that game. Do you think at this stage now, it's a matter of Rutgers and Michigan are in and Indiana is probably going to be stuck watching March Madness at home? I would say that that is the case, Wally, unless Indiana is able to upset, you know, their rival in Purdue, but it is at Purdue, so that's going to be very difficult. That's a big time win for Rutgers. I felt like either team, had they won that game, would have been feeling pretty good about their chances going to the tournament, but... You know, Indiana, they had that rough five-game stretch there where they really played a lot of really difficult teams but also lost to a Northwestern team that you shouldn't lose to if you're going to make the tournament. So it's not looking good for one of my preseason picks, uh, Trace Jackson Davis. What did, what did we call that? Our fantasy draft or something yeah, like that? Yeah, where we yeah. just drafted players, wherever you want to call yeah, it. I, I don't even I don't even think we had a name for it, but – um. Not looking good for him. I, he's been absolutely balling this year, so you can't really put much blame on him. So as far as Michigan, I think they're in now. I think if they split the next two games, I think they're you know guaranteed to, to be in unless something crazy happens. So they had a really good week, or a pretty good week, I would say. They did exactly what we thought they needed to do to continue to enhance their tournament chances and and really i thought that they could have beat illinois i think illinois just shot the lights out man they gave up 93 points to them but you know michigan's starting to play a lot better and i think if they can get the game against iowa tonight they're going to be in the tournament specifically this iowa game i and you know no matter what happens against ohio state on sunday 
I think if they win tonight, they're going to get in. Yeah, I'm almost upset that I kind of came off the Michigan bandwagon just a little early because I I think that they're going to be a team that they might not go on a run to like win the tournament like we expected at the start of the year. But they're a team that there there's not a quality opponent in March Madness that is going to see Mich- Michigan, excuse me, and be excited to have them match up. And it, I, there's something to be said about when you get into like a Sweet 16 matchup or even a round of 32. Let's say Michigan gets up to like an eight seed. Do you want to be Kansas or do you want to be Kentucky and have to follow up beating some nobody team with having to go immediately into Michigan? When you're perceived to have an easier path as a one, that would be terrible. Yeah, that would be terrible. Um, and and kind of thinking about different scenarios with the Big Ten teams and where they could land seeding-wise, um, two random thoughts about them. I had one, I think Michigan might be the most dangerous 11 seed, which is what I believe that they were predicted as the, the last time I checked. It might have been Tuesday. They might be the most dangerous 11 seed that I can remember because if they start playing well, and I think that – jumping around here real quick but uh, i think that they could win obviously against a six seed and then to have a three seed to make it into the sweet 16 would be really really big we'll be able to tell a little bit what this michigan team is actually made of when we get into the big 10 tournament because typically in the past that's when michigan kind of turns up if they're able to do that then watch out you know they might jump up to an eight or nine seed and like you said i wouldn't want to be facing them second in the round of uh 32 as a one seed but then real quick, the other, and I, I don't know if this has crossed your mind at all, Wally, but the other seeding that concerns me is if Ohio State lands at a five seed and gets that 5-12 matchup, that's always a nightmare for, you know, no matter who's a five seed, there's always one or two of those that go down in that round. But I just felt like this Ohio State team all year long has kind of felt like a five seed to me. And, you know, they actually might be playing their way to an even worse seed right now, but do whatever you can to avoid that five seed Ohio State. Yeah, I'd love a five seed right now because that means that they're probably going to win a couple games at the end of the year. But I want to bookmark Ohio State because I have a lot to say about them. But just taking a step back real quick to a couple things. First of all, Michigan, Indiana, and Rutgers are all in the same spot now where everybody on the bubble is. You are now watching these small conference tournaments that are now getting started. And you are rooting for the number one seeds to just run the table. We want as little chaos as possible so that we can get as many of these big quality schools. The last thing you want to see, and I, I can't think of, oh, I get, this is a perfect one. I can't remember the conference. I think it's Ohio Valley. But if Murray State found a way to lose, they're for sure in. They're going to be like a four or five seed in their own right. I think they're 28 and two or something. But if they lose to whoever that might be, that's just a spot that just got hijacked from a Indiana or a Rutgers that might need it, or from a Michigan getting from maybe a, a nine seed to an eight or whatever, you know what I mean, the going up seed-wise. What was crazy about the Indiana-Rutgers game was to me is that even though those teams were the last two teams in, losing for Indiana meant a quad three loss versus Rutgers winning was a quad three win because Rutgers is, I think, 81st in the net standings right now, and because they were the road team, they fell in value. So Indiana, I felt like, almost was playing with even more to lose, and I don't know if that really came, or I don't know if that's the reason they lost, but when you know 
you can't lose. Where Rutgers, it was more of the, it would be really good to win. I think that's a really different mentality that really paid huge for Rutgers. We did that game justice by mentioning mentioning it uh, right off the get-go because I don't think people really understood how big of a game that really was. And so good for us for, you know, giving giving it its due. Now, I think we're, at least I am, I'm rooting for nine Big Ten teams. So I want Indiana to beat Purdue and to get a first-round win in the Big Ten tournament. I hope that will be enough. Without the updated bracketology, it's kind of hard to tell. Without, I guess, further ado, I'm trying to avoid it as long as I can. Let's talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes, Casey. Uh, first of all, I should say that I asked Hayden if he wanted anything said about this, and the only thing he said was, Holtman better get this ship turned around. And that was ship with a P. I probably should preface that. It was kind of close with the whole tongue there. That's the Wally's head going in there. I'm even a step further. I think you guys have noticed for about a month or two, I'm like really on thin ice right now with this team. And the fact that this is becoming such a running trend year in and year out, I just can't excuse it anymore. And I understand that we're we're in agreement. I think you and I are much closer where Ohio State's expectations should be like a Sweet 16 kind of team. I feel like that's kind of the perfect spot for Ohio State year in and year out. And I think that's where they're at right now from a regular season perspective. But there's just this some kind of mental hiccup with this team that once you get inside even 10 minutes, I'd say five, but inside 10 minutes, this team is so pressed. They're so constricted. You can feel the choke coming before it even starts. That's got to come to coaching. And I tell you, I really believe it's not just me that Chris Holtman is coaching for his life, not only in the Big Ten tourney, not only in the NCAA tourney, but he has to win one of these two games against Michigan State or Michigan. Because if he doesn't, you went from being a team that had a potential Big Ten championship with four games remaining, and then instead, you beat, you beat what, Illinois, then you lose to Maryland, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Michigan would be at home. I don't know how you can keep that guy. I don't know how you can do it. He's a great guy, but I think it's time. I'm right in your boat, man. The thing that you pointed out that is the biggest reason why I think Holtman might be on the hot seat or Ohio State fans might be rooting for him to move on, perhaps take the Louisville job if they're still interested in him, is because it's been very consistent. This team has been very consistent at being bad at the same things like year in year out um outside of last year i felt like they've been bad at free throw shooting which is you know something that i guess not directly comes down to coaching but that should be something that you focus on and you're right they squander late leads and lose to teams they shouldn't lose to so i'm right there with you man if they go oh and two and then get an early early kick in the Big Ten tournament and don't make it to a Sweet 16 this year, which might even be more difficult now, I think it might be time to um, reevaluate what, what we're doing here with Chris Holtman. When you beat Illinois, what was the thought? It's not only Big Ten championship. The thought is immediately, hey, this team can be a three or a four seed. Kind of like you said, we can avoid that 5-12 matchup. And everybody knows now, it's kind of like the the hidden secret that everybody talks about that every year, 
at least one 512 goes down, and it often feels a lot more than one. This team now, with those two losses to Nebraska and Maryland, especially in the fashion they lost, if you lose to Michigan State and Michigan, and then you know, I mean, there's not an, a guaranteed win in the Big Ten. Even Minnesota, even Nebraska, I mean, God, Nebraska, we just freaking had the conversation. Minnesota, Nebraska, I mean, even Penn State, these are teams that on the wrong night can beat you. If Ohio State, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say they win the first matchup in the Big Ten championship uh, tournament, excuse me, and then they lose the following, are they better than a seven? Because at some point, they're close to even being at that six and seven mark. Yeah, I think it just depends on how these next two game go. Next two games go. Um, if they lose both of them and then don't win the Big Ten tournament, they're going to be sitting there with what twelve losses, and so they'd be kind of right in the same boat as a Michigan team, which is really crazy to, to think about because Ohio State has really played better than Michigan has this whole year. But yeah, I agree with you. I think there are there are no easy wins and Ohio state is the perfect team. Like you go through Ohio state schedule. They're the perfect team to uh, help with that argument. You know, they, they squeaked by Penn state by five points early on in the year. They gave up 87 points to Northwestern and only won by eight. They obviously lost to Nebraska and then went to overtime with them the first time. So yeah, this has been an issue for this Buckeye team for several years now under Holman. And, um, you know, they, they've really got to turn it around and get it fixed. they got to stop losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to. That's the biggest thing that can crush your coaching career in basketball. It feels like no matter who you're playing, Ohio State's going to be in a fight every night. It, and that's what's frustrating is because they've had this, where they've beat Illinois on the road. They went to Purdue, came back from 20, tied it, just have Jaden Ivey hit a three. Like, that's how frustrating this team is, is that there are moments where you really feel like they're that close from being a legitimate contender to be able to go to maybe the Elite Eight or something like that. And then there's moments right now where, God, it's amazing we got to where we're at. Because the last week, it doesn't feel like this is a tournament team. And Going to even beyond the Holtman stuff, I know injuries have been a problem this year. You lose Towns, you lose uh, Suing. They haven't seen them at all, and that sucks. But you have to win. You have to find a way at a program like Ohio State to not lose the games that we're talking about. I, I'm just frustrated because, first of all, we talk about size and the lack of size at Ohio State. You hear me just losing my mind right now, so bear with me at home. But I'm so frustrated because they know it's a problem, too. And this is 2022 in the day and age where transfers are normal. They are basically given almost an immediate eligibility now. How is that not a priority all offseason? They brought in some seven-footer from some nowhere school that we haven't seen. I, I don't know. Have we seen him this year? You talking about Joey Brunk? Yeah, there you go. Joey Brunk. He's from Indiana, isn't he? Was it? I, I believe he came over from Indiana. Oh, well, God. I well, see. Yeah, so nowhere, you know? Well, it should be a nowhere school. It, the way he's played this year and the fact that we haven't seen him, I thought it was a nowhere school. The, but that's my point is that it, they obviously know it's an issue. And the fact that they're trying to address it and failing to do so, I mean, that's another strike for me. Those are absolutely great points, Wally. I don't really you know, have have much to build off of that. But um, one thing that stood out to me was 
you know, when Hayden was talking about Wisconsin, he said that they were really reliant on Johnny Davis and he had a lot of concerns about the support and whatnot. And that's kind of what I feel about Ohio State. And, you know, I know Malachi's been playing pretty well the past five to six-ish games, really been coming on. But he, he's a freshman and he shows that he's inconsistent. So I'm worried about Ohio State leaning too much on Liddell. Because outside of those two, I don't know where you're going to get production unless you get a random game from Cedric Russell, which they did against Michigan, or a random game against Ju- or um, from Justin Arms, which Arms, which they you know haven't really got this year like they did last year. I believe he dropped like 33 points against Iowa or something really random, or that might have been two years ago now even. And to address your concerns about the big man, you're absolutely right. You can go into the transfer portal and pick up a you know, a four-star guy, but they picked the wrong one this year, I guess. I don't know. You're right. Joey Joey Brunk doesn't play very much. And then I don't think Ohio State has much injury excuse outside of maybe last game because Zed Key wasn't playing, but minus Zed Key or not, you, you've got to beat the worst team in the Big Ten at home. That's that's just was an inexcusable loss. Yeah, and, and I don't want to make excuses. You, I think it's pretty clear I'm not trying to make excuses right now, but it should be at least pointed out that I'm kind of excited. Here, I'm going to fall for the trap again. I'm kind of excited on the off chance that you're going to have the McGowan brothers return next year for Nebraska because I feel like they're finally starting to kind of click. They lost Trey early in the year, and without them both being on the floor, I felt like they just looked lost. And even once he was there, everybody in the Big Ten, they're kind of clicking. They know their identity. And Nebraska kind of never figured it out. In the last two weeks, they look a lot better. So that's just me being nice to Nebraska because I wanted to be mean to him all episode. But a couple things, and then I'll be done on my high horse for the Buckeyes and we can get on to next week's games. Just a couple things. Malachi Branham, like you said, he had a really, really awesome stretch. He was kind of electric there for a little while. And its he's a freshman. He's going to keep getting better. The problem is right now is that I feel like it's almost kind of a similar situation. Do you, I know you remember, but when Jeremy Lin went to off in New York and Lin Sanity was going on and everybody was like, dude, this guy's changing basketball. Actually, maybe it's not that. Maybe this guy, he's getting more looks than we were expecting him to. The team wasn't, I guess, knowing what to expect. And he's really capitalized on that, I guess, additional minutes, additional shot opportunities but now teams are kind of giving him that number one, number two attention. And we're seeing the, I guess, the youth, the inexperience from Malachi Branham. And sometimes it's okay to not be the guy when you're not the guy. And I, I think EJ Liddell right now, clearly he's going to have a lot on his plate here in the next few weeks. And with how tired it feels like this Buckeyes team is right now, it really feels like a really dangerous recipe. I mean, otherwise, yeah, Justin Arns, what you were saying, he was kind of a guy I wanted to be a Jordan Bohannon kind of a player, and he just never really took the next step. He's not good on defense. He's a liability. And at times, he's a liability on offense. When he can't catch and shoot or he's not making those shots, the floor shrinks. And it feels obvious for everybody. And I don't know, Casey. I'm, I'm, I'm at a low uh, this, this isn't, this is not, this is not where I expected us to be last Thursday night after we finished recording, we watched the Ohio State Buckeyes go to Illinois and get a win. 
I'm right there with you, man. I, I told you, I, I was honestly very, very confident at the time that if Ohio State beat Illinois, that they had the easiest schedule to close out the year. I really thought they would win the Big Ten Championship uh, for the regular season. And, um, yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy to see this team fall apart the past two games. But, you know, to touch on Malachi here for a second, uh, he's got plenty of opportunity to redeem himself. Uh, you know, not like he played, you know, terrible, but, you know, to get that feel that we had for him even a week ago back, he's got plenty of opportunity to. He's got two big games to close out the regular season, Big Ten tournament, and then obviously the NCAA tournament. So I wouldn't necessarily call him – you know, a Jeremy Lin one-hit wonder quite yet. Although Jeremy Lin made a nice career out of it. Oh, absolutely. Nice, yeah, he made millions and millions of dollars because of really what was that 15-game stretch that he had with the Knicks. So absolutely crazy. But, yeah, you know, the jury's still out on Malachi. Maybe maybe he's not the, you know, top 20 player in the, in the nation that maybe people thought he was trending toward, but – I still think he's a solid player. I think that, especially if he does come back next year, if there's one benefit for Buckeye fans of this fall-off right now, of not only Malachi Branham, but the team, there's a chance that he does come back. And if he does, he's going to be on a lot of shortlists for player of the year next year. It's just, I don't think he's there yet. And I know it's opening a whole nother can of worms, but if you end up moving on from Chris Holtman, we know how the day and age works in college sports where players will move or transfer. We'll see. I it's You just can't make your decision focused on the roster you have right now and fear that you're going to lose people. It's just a matter of if this is the right situation going forward. That was me going full circle, bringing it all back to Chris Holtman. But I think it's a good place to put a little pause there and we'll go to the week ahead it's going to be a pretty short one here because the season does conclude on Sunday and then next Wednesday we'll have the Big Ten tournament after we go through this so I'm sure we'll have a little fun trying to figure out how we're going to go about that but anyways Thursday yeah tonight wow here we go Michigan State is going to Ohio State you guys will be hearing this after the fact but just know that my mental health is on the line so this is a big game here Penn State is also traveling to Illinois. Iowa is traveling to Michigan. And like Casey said, huge opportunity for Michigan to really cement their ticket. Cash that in. Saturday, a huge opportunity again for Indiana. Indiana is going to travel to Purdue. You know how the Big Ten is. That game will be a last-minute possession or last-possession game because it matters so much. And it doesn't so much for Purdue. That's the only thing you have to hope for if you're Indiana. Then, of course, we go to a final day of the season, and it's a busy one. Michigan goes to Ohio State. Penn State goes to Rutgers. Nebraska travels to Wisconsin, where they can win the Big Ten tournament outright. All of a sudden, a trickier matchup with Nebraska, too. Maryland and Michigan State. Iowa at Illinois. And Minnesota at Northwestern. So, like I said, next Wednesday, the Big Ten tournament starts. We'll have to figure out when we want to record, how we want to do that, if we want to do a preview or whatever. You guys stay tuned. Check out on socials. We'll let you know. But all right, Casey, thoughts or things you're looking at for the next week and our final week of the regular season ahead? We'll start tonight. Obviously, the the massive games that Michigan and Ohio State have and, and Michigan State and Iowa, both big games in their own rights. Uh, 
you know, massive, absolutely big games, seeding for the Big Ten tournament, seeding for the NCAA tournament, assuming that all these teams are probably in, but also really looking forward to the final day of the regular season. Obviously, Michigan looks to revenge their their home loss against Ohio State earlier on in the year. And then Wisconsin hosting Nebraska to uh, what is more likely going to happen is they're going to clinch the regular season conference championship. And then finally, if you want a or an, an awesome matchup where there's going to be a lot of scoring, tune in for that Iowa and Illinois game on Sunday as well because that would be a very, very fun matchup to watch as you know you got to figure both teams are going to put up a lot of points. It's amazing that Illinois, uh, it, I feel like they're one of the few teams that in the Big Ten you can talk about as a team that could go on a run with the guys they have and win a national championship, even being as low-seeded as they're going to be. But then Iowa's the same kind of team where all year we've been, they're, they're almost like in that Ohio State range of where we expect them to be, like a five to a seven seed. And I feel like they've kind of been just forgotten about and I don't know if it's because of the start to the year they had, but Iowa's not a team that a lot of people want to see right now, too. They're shooting the lights out of the gym, and I know they don't play much defense, but if they run into a team on an off night, it doesn't matter who they are. They can get a, a win there. And then I guess here, I had a couple other notes. Uh, again, going back to the Buckeyes, sorry again. Kyle Young and Zed Key are out tonight against Michigan State, which that's a, a big loss for the Michigan State game. But it makes me wonder, what are you going to do if those guys are unavailable come Sunday for that Ohio State-Michigan matchup? I'd be really interested to see what the line is on that game. Because I want to say, weren't the Buckeyes four or five point dogs in Chrysler? Or it was somewhere in that neighborhood. He's nodding. You'd imagine the way that both teams are playing right now, I would have the exact same line, wouldn't you? I don't think so. Because... Zed Key and Cal Young weren't really that relied on in the first matchup with Michigan. So I don't, I'm not sure that, well, obviously missing, you know, two key role players on your team is never a good thing. But I think that Ohio State being at home, I'm sure that place will actually be kind of crazy. You know, one of the rare games where that place is sold out and going nuts. But I think with you know they're going to rely on EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. Uh, they're two best scorers to help get over over sixty. I feel like that game's going to be a really low scoring game, kind of like what it was earlier in the year. But um, yeah, they're just going to rely on their on their two big scorers, and then really kind of hope for like a Cedric Russell to go off for twelve points again, like he did the first matchup. But I don't know. I keep saying I, I don't think it's a big. Loss, but it it is, but it isn't. I I'm not. It's always hurtful to lose key role players, but it's not as big of a deal as you know what people might think. I guess my biggest concern is what happens if you get in foul trouble, and then I feel like Hunter Dickinson can go absolutely wild. Now, I, the place might be crazy. You sent me down a wormhole in my brain while you were talking. I know that Schottenstein it has like a crew for NIL deals now, and they're going to basically be pushing for Buckeye deals and what have you. But his arena sucks. I miss St. John. The, that was a real college environment, 
And now you're playing in this giant, it feels like an amphitheater because half the time there's no one there. And there can even be 10,000 people, but it looks like no one's there because of how big the damn arena is. They We've gone through this before on this show, but it was almost the biggest curse and blessing at the same time having Ohio State basketball be as big as it was in the mid-thousands because it's not the same now, and boy, do we miss that home field advantage that you had at St. John. Yeah, we absolutely did touch on that before, Wally, because um, I, you know, I remember the the discussion that we had. Um, you know, the shot just seems like it's a, a professional, like a professional NBA arena to me. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong; it's really, really nice, but it's just not the greatest environment for college sports. It kind of reminds me. I I think what they we're going for is more like the the gosh what do they call that the dean the dean dome north carolina's because they're very similar in size but north carolina can consistently fill that up obviously north carolina being a way bigger basketball school than football unlike ohio state so kind of tough to compare there but i think maybe that's i mean mid mid 2000s that's what i mean shoot you could argue Ohio State was the best football and basketball combo school in the in the country. Two random notes, and then I'll be done, and then we'll move on. But you just brought up, too, the not being a college atmosphere. It kind of reminds me a lot of—it's been forever, but when Pitt moved from their campus to Heinz Field, people that aren't, uh, I guess, accustomed to the area of Pittsburgh, it's like 10 minutes away from campus now— and that's like a drive. If you're a college kid trying to get a little bent out of shape tailgating on a Saturday morning before a game, you have to literally take buses. You have to take Ubers to go into a busy trafficked area to watch a game. And there's no college environment. It's, it, it, I don't know, it's different, but it's not that different because I think that both of those fan bases thought they were something that they weren't when they moved it almost kind of took that post re I guess I don't know it took that actually seeing it happen before you realize what you weren't and then the last other thing just random because you mentioned how big the dean dome is down there at UNC it's crazy i can't think of two sports teams in in the world whether it be college whatever sport it is that the two arch rivals have such different home environments and they're both amazing home environments. Dean Dome is insane for how big it is, how extravagant it is, the history of UNC. And then you have Duke, the Cameron Crazies. It looks like it's the ice house. Uh, you know, you're a Buckeye, so you remember it's really small. And it's so on you. It's just a really... It's what makes college sports so awesome that you can have such different experiences all over the country. And again, random. But you mentioned that, and it just kind of clicked for the first time how polar opposite those home fields are but how i guess important they are for both of those teams gosh man and even the carrier dome like when syracuse used to fill that thing up with like forty-five thousand people that was one of the greatest college basketball atmospheres i've ever seen um so yeah you know that's an absolutely fantastic point and even with ohio state and michigan like they're it's kind of like duke unc a little bit ohio state's got this massive capacity whereas Michigan has about half of it and you know I still think the atmospheres are a little similar they get up for big games and uh, other games they don't but um yeah that was a great comparison with the pit I didn't know that either but you can definitely see 
the drop off in student attendance and the the overall stadium atmosphere since they moved there. Well, and it doesn't mean it's not like a end all be all, but you saw what the fall off was at Pitt after the fact. I mean, you went from having the Dan Marinos, the Tony Dorsett national championship kind of pit teams to now it's hard to really recruit there. I mean, you're not playing on your own campus. I know Ohio State's different. You are on campus. But that, you always, at least for people like us that wanted to probably grow up and play sports and just, it didn't, it wasn't in the cards for people like you and me. I always wanted to play in front of the packed house. I wanted to play in that moment that the world was watching. And I almost wonder if you lose almost a little bit of that appeal to recruits when you you get to say, hey, guys, you know, Michigan will come this year and we'll have a really loud home environment. But I don't know. You'll probably have to play in front of 7,000 for six or seven games. That that feels hard. Well, that's why you, you know, strategize your recruiting a little bit to where, you know, you bring them in during the, the Michigan games and it all looks great and all that stuff. So. You know, I know they do that and they, you know, they have, they host big time recruits for specific games for a reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a fair point, Wally. All right, Casey, then I guess I'll ask just simple yes or no. Wisconsin, do they beat Nebraska, win sole possession of the Big Ten this year? Yes, I still think Nebraska is trash. Yeah, they probably are. I'm trying to make myself feel better. I agree. And then the second one, does Indiana find a way on Sunday? To, oh, no, it's Saturday. And that's a standalone game. So you guys have no excuse not to see it now as well. But does Indiana go into Purdue and get a win that possibly can save their season? No, because I think Purdue is the best team in the Big Ten Conference. And it's at Purdue. So um, I think they'll, they'll kind of turn up for that rivalry game. Yeah, and I would agree because typically... I mean, you want to imagine that Purdue doesn't have much to play for, but it is still Indiana-Purdue, and Purdue would love nothing more than to be the one to put the nail in Indiana's season's coffin. So I, I think I agree with you. Yeah, and speaking of great stadium atmosphere, or arena atmospheres, Mac Arena, when that thing is bumping, is one of the best in the nation by far. Especially right now, the last few years, ever since, oh God, who what was his first name? It wasn't, uh, was it Donovan Edwards? Was it Donovan? Carson, Carson Edwards, Carson. God, look at that. We got there. You got again. Video is going to be awesome when it eventually comes out because I'm just telepathing, trying to like pull it out of Casey's mind here. But you know, ever since Carson Edwards went on that year where he went off in the Big Ten or Big Ten, the NCAA tournament, it feels like Purdue is kind of almost trying to elevate themselves into that elite year in and year out tier, and. Boy, it feels like that fan base is really appreciating it because they, I mean, it, they're not a football school. They love to win their their upset matchups against all these giant teams once every other year, but that's a basketball school. And right now it feels like they're becoming, you could make a case to class of the Big Ten. I was going to say good for Purdue because that that's about all they have. But, you know, they're doing they're doing really well at it right now. So good for them. But that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta edible. This time next week, we'll be watching a Big Ten tournament. Even for people that aren't diehard basketball fans, this is what we've been building for, man. This is it right here. This is awesome. But Casey, do you have any final thoughts for us today before we wrap up? 
Uh, just looking forward to uh, going back home this weekend and, you know, meeting Maddie and Hayden's kid and getting ready for the Big Ten tournament. The tournaments are, oh, man, like when you – when we get into tournament season and you, there are games on at 12 o'clock and then 2 o'clock throughout the whole day, my, my – uh, focus on work is uh very very low i hope my boss does not hear this but i check scores like no other and it is one of the most fun times of the year so i am very much looking forward to not only the games tonight and and saturday and sunday but uh the start of the big 10 tournament this coming week this time of year I, it just sends you back to high school at least for me where i can remember you always wanted to have that cool teacher that would turn on March Madness for even five or 10 minutes to end a class, or you would sneak to the computer lab, whether it be for study hall or whatever. And you go to that, what CBS or NCA.com. And there's that boss button and we're in high school. It doesn't mean shit that you have spreadsheets around in front of you, but you felt like you felt like you were breaking the rules. You did something so cool. I don't know. It's just a, a really fun year for that kind of what nostalgia with that stuff too. But uh, otherwise, yeah, Hayden, Maddie, you guys are the best. Really looking forward to meet the little one. And then my final thought, I guess, as well. Felt like I had to bring it up. Shane Olivier, former offensive tackle for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think played for the San Diego Chargers then. He passed away at 40 years old today, so obviously thinking about him and his family. But part of a really, really special Ohio State team in that 2 season. And, I mean, he, like Will Smith now that is gone, I mean, these guys have left lasting legacies through Ohio State that people like us, we're going to be telling our kids about these guys. And it's just hard. You know, you hate when this stuff happens, but it does remind you of the really fun times that we were all a part of because of guys like him. So just thinking a little extra of Shane Olivier and his family today. But otherwise, thank you guys very much for listening. We'll see you guys back here next week for episode 58 of Pigskins and Islands.